Good morning. It is so good to be with you to worship our Lord today and to celebrate Him. I'm Pastor Roger, and I've got sound. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. So we are in this study, this wonderful study from the Old Testament, Lessons in the Wilderness, and we have been seeing how God was introducing Himself and wanting the people of Israel to know who He was as he brings them out of the captivity of Egypt and takes them to the promised land. We're going to be looking in Numbers chapter 21 this morning at a text that has to do with something that's a little different uh, today. Uh, we're going to be looking at a, an episode with Israel where the Lord instructed Moses to fashion a bronze serpent. And put it on a pole. And this was going to be a focal point for the people of Israel during uh, this particular stage or this particular circumstance in the wilderness. As, as we have come through our study in the book of Numbers thus far, we have, we've heard about God's teaching, His lessons for the people of Israel. How he wanted to, to share with them who he was and for them to know and experience him in their life and in their walk. And how he wanted to be to them a God of blessing. He had brought them out of captivity and he was taking them to a land of promise. And there is so much potential of blessing in this relationship with God and this people. If they will simply listen to God's plan. If they will obey what the Lord's word of instruction is to them. So that God can pour out his blessings on them. So that he can bless each and every one of them. There are so many stories in the history of Israel. And for each one of the individuals. They have their own personal story. And so as the Lord leads through the wilderness by Moses' hand. We see in the lessons that we have studied thus far uh, kind of a common thread. We see a people that have not yet come to recognize and to know God and know who He is. And they are a people that turn their attention in other directions and to other things rather than God's plan and God's purpose and God's provision for them. And so... We see them as they find fault and as they have complained. And then they experience the circumstances of, uh, of their complaint. And we see the Lord as he deals with them in order to teach them to trust him, to follow him, and to obey him. And even to the place that the generation that came out of Egypt, when they came to Kadesh Barnea, and the Lord was ready to take them in and give them the promised land. There were two men that said, yes, we can take it. But the other spies that went into the land said, no, we can't. And the people said, those giants, we, we can't do, we can't do what God has said he wants us to do. And I thought as Nick brought it out in his message uh, you know, it never was about them to start with. 
It was always about God. It never was about what the people of Israel could do. It was always about what God could do. If they would just listen to his words and obey and follow him. And so that kind of brings us into this place where we're going to uh, see another lesson that the Lord gives the children of Israel in the wilderness. And the, the historical setting, the timing of this particular lesson today is going to be, according to the historians, in the latter days or the latter time frame of the 40 years. So recognize that the lesson that we're looking at today, the children of Israel have been wandering in the wilderness for almost 40 years. And during this time frame, repetitively, over and over and over again, God has tried to lead and guide and they have not obeyed or they have resisted and they have experienced the consequences of that. And so we're seeing them today as the Lord teaches a lesson to his people. Somewhat strange perhaps to us, but to them a lesson that will emphasize to them the great salvation that he provides if they would only come to him. So we're going to be talking about the bronze serpent this morning. Now, I probably will not use the word serpent very much. Because if I'm outside my house in the yard and there's one of the squiggly things crawling around on the ground, I'm probably going to jump back and holler snake. I'm not going to be running in the house and, Sheila, there's a serpent in the yard. Would you go take care of that, please? <laughs> so as I say snake this morning, y'all know this Arkansan is talking about a serpent, all right? We see in the text... Numbers chapter 21, the lesson that Jesus is going to teach. And this involves the bronze image of the serpent or the snake and what that represents for the people of Israel to learn. Now for us, snakes usually don't represent happy, positive... You might get confused if somebody sees a snake and starts jumping around and all. That's not a happy dance. Okay? We associate and understand the snakes as a, a dangerous thing. Something to be uh, feared. Something to, to stay away from. Uh, perhaps Indiana Jones kind of clues us in on that, alright, about his, his phobia of snakes. But... We also uh, recognize that the image of a snake is used many times as kind of a messenger of danger, as a representative that uh, this is going to be a bad thing that you're going to see and experience. There's a golf course, those of you that are golfers or that may follow the PGA, there's a golf course in Innsbruck that is titled and known as the Copperhead golf course in Florida and the holes there and that golf course are represented by the names of different snakes. You see a bronze serpent on the screen. You're seeing the representation of the Copperhead golf course. On this golf course there's 18 holes. The last three holes, 16, 17, 18, are the moccasin, the rattler, 
and the copperhead. And what that means is they refer to the last three holes on this golf course as the snake pit. Is that you can go and you can play golf and you can be having a great round of golf. You can be killing it. But when you get to these three, your scorecard is going to really suffer. Because this illustration or emphasis of the, the danger to your scorecard as it is in this illustration the experience that you're going to experience here is not going to be positive. And so it's something to beware, to take note and to be concerned and cautious. I'm sure that we don't have time this morning for snake stories. I'm sure there's plenty of snake stories out there. I said in the first service, a good snake story is when there's a snake and someone else. A good snake story is not me and a snake, it's you and a snake. That makes a good snake story. Got a couple of good snake stories in, in my family history, but I hadn't got time to tell you uh, this morning about Uncle Dreyfus and the snake, so you just have to ask me about that some other time, okay? Snake stories are associated with bad news. Snake stories are associated with danger, with harm with damage, with things that should be feared and reverenced. And so I would say this morning, if there's a statement that we would need to, uh, to herald or to speak concerning snakes, it's look out, look out for snakes, watch out for snakes because they're bad news. And this symbolism of a snake is a warning of bad things. If you'd like to read with me this morning in Numbers 21, verses 4 through 8, we're going to look at this text and this lesson of a bronze serpent that the Lord gave His people. Then the people of Israel sent out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of the land of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. And then the Lord came to Moses, and then, excuse me, and then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. We might think of this and perhaps you've heard it preached before, look and live. The Lord's instruction to the people that if they would look, they could find relief for their transgression and for their sin. There's a lesson here for the people of Israel to learn 
at this point in Israel's history, having come out of Egypt and being very familiar with symbolism as it was involved in pagan worship and the worship of idols and all such things as that, understood that this snake, this serpent, was a symbol, a representation of something. And God's message to them is the lesson for them to learn. After almost 40 years of the Lord's provision for them as they are wandering in the wilderness, time and time again, as, as we take observations from this passage of Scripture, it says that the people became impatient with God. We can't go this way. We've got to go around this. We've got to take a detour. It's going to take us a little longer to go this way to get to where we're headed. And the people became impatient with God. Almost 40 years in the wilderness, if anyone's patience should have been wearing thin, it should have been the Lord's. But yet he is still leading and guiding and directing this people. We see again, this isn't the first time that they have complained. This isn't the first time that they said, there's nothing here to eat. And then they talk about the very thing that God has given them to eat. Anyone ever experienced that? That someone comes to the table at the house after you have done all of the work and made the preparation and the food is on the table and they walk in and they look at what's there and that's not what they want. So they, well, there's nothing here to eat. Well, the table is full. The provision is here for you. What you need, what is healthy, what is good, what will nourish you, what will meet your need is here on the table for you to partake of. And they say, there's nothing here to eat. Because it's not what they want. So we see Israel as they again, they complain against God and against Moses. On previous occasions they had complained and God gave them something to eat. God gave them what they wanted and it made them sick. <laughs> you remember the quail? They wanted meat. We need meat. They got meat. And they suffered the consequences of that rather than receiving what God had so graciously and appropriately prepared for them. So we see this repetition of complaining against the Lord, this repetition of disrespecting the Lord's uh, sovereignty, this, this repetitious failure to realize who God was and his heart was for them to bless them. And so while he was making every effort to meet their need and bless them, and he was, they were complaining against him. And so on this occasion, the Lord in his wisdom chose this lesson for the people of Israel. He allowed the snakes... The scripture says that he sent the snakes in among the children of Israel and they began to bite the people and they would die. Understanding the culture and understanding the place that we're talking about in the world, snakes 
were not uncommon in the desert. Matter of fact, the amazing thing is that the people had been in the desert and the snakes had not been a problem. Because snakes there in the desert were a, a lot like snakes in the Saline River bottom. And those of you that may hunt or hike or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. If you go to the river, if you go to the river bottoms, you're watching for snakes. Why? Because that's where they're at. And so when Israel was in the desert wandering, the, that's where the snakes were at. But God had been protecting them. The snakes hadn't been a problem. But now because of this episode of rejection of the Lord, the Lord allows them to experience this very thing that He provides protection from. You know, we see this, we see this lesson throughout the Scriptures where God in His counsel for us, is protecting us from sin, is protecting us from the curse. We see it from the Garden of Eden, and we see it down through the history of mankind. We see it here in Israel, God's message to these people. So the snakes came, and people were bitten People died and they found that there was a terrible price that came with their disobedience. They were learning that sin is painful, sin is destructive. And their rebellion against God, their grumbling against God, was allowing this to happen and them to see and experience the snakes. And the lesson associated with them. The people, of course, said, Moses, we're sorry you got to get rid of these snakes. Please, Moses, pray to God to take the snakes away. And so Moses prayed. He besought God for the people. And God said, Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make the bronze serpent. You put it on the, the pole so that it will be raised up and so that the people will see it. But take note, God did not take the snakes away. The consequence and the suffering that they were experiencing, God did not remove the snakes, but God made the provision. To deliver them. God made for them a deliverance that they would not have to experience the end result of that consequence. And so the Lord said, this is what I have prepared for you. This bronze serpent, this, this symbol of sin. He said, you can look on this. And recover. People still were bitten, but they could find healing. They could find relief. They could find their rescue in the purpose, the plan that God had put before them to look 
You see, God made a provision for their deliverance. Look on this. That word in the text is, is very interesting and it's very strong. Because looking was not just a casual glance. Looking at the bronze serpent meant that they had to take it in. They had, they had to concentrate. They had to reflect. They had to think. They had to consider. They had to weigh what this is, what this means. And as that symbol of sin, Jesus said, when you see this, when you obey in the instruction that I have given you in acknowledging that, then you can find deliverance. You can find healing. And so the Lord's provision for them was through the serpent, a symbol of sin, a symbol of what the people were experiencing because of their rebellion against God. God brought deliverance. God brought a remedy for their circumstance of sin. This lesson is also for us today. It's for the Lord's people in our generation as it was spoken of, as, as Paul made reference whenever he wrote the Corinthian church. He referred to these very things that we're studying in the book of Numbers. In, in the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul said, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. There's no question that Paul is referring to the people of Israel as they were in the wilderness. In verse 6, he said, These things happened, the things that happened to the people of Israel in the wilderness, these things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. The message of numbers is also a message for us today. And just as the Lord had a message and a lesson for them, there is a lesson for us to learn by the example that we see in them. That disbelief and rebellion against God brings the snakes, so to speak, in our lives. And it brings the experience that sin always brings, which is that of pain and suffering. What is the price? of sin? What is the price of complaining against God? What is the price of disregarding the Word of God or God's purpose and plan? It's to experience the painful, destructive effect of the consequence of sin in our life. And so we see as the lesson was given to the children of Israel, the lesson is to us as well that sin, willful, habitual sin, as we see in the nation of Israel, is something that will bring pain and destruction in our lives as well. But you see, the focus is not the magnitude of sin. 
the magnitude of sin is necessary in order that we might understand and that we might know the magnitude of the deliverance that God has given. Because in the wilderness, God did not allow the people to be bitten by snakes and not provide a deliverance for them. He provided a salvation by His word and by His instruction, by His provision. They could be healed of the snake's bite. And they could be healed of the curse of sin. And likewise for us today, there is a deliverance and there is a promise that God has made to us. That sin's curse and sin's price can be overcome, it can be healed, it can be taken away. If we will look, if we will take in and behold What God has prepared for us to see. So you see there's a lesson also in the bronze snake. In this symbol of sin and that symbol of destruction. Jesus when he spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He spoke to him. He said Nicodemus you're you're a teacher in Israel. You know the history. You know the scriptures. You know the law. You know all these things. Why is it that you do not know who I am as Jesus spoke to him? He said no one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the son of man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. This is how much God loves you. This is how much God loves us. That the very representation, the very symbol of sin... The, the, the hard reality of the presence and the pain and the destruction of sin is pictured with a serpent on a pole that became the Son of God. For those of us that have grown up in church, this is a story that we've heard time and time again, but Perhaps for you this morning, you might say, what? Jesus became the serpent? In a sense, yes. He became sin. The serpent was a picture of sin. Jesus became sin, not of his own, our sin. He became sin in order to... That he might redeem us. When Paul wrote the Galatians, he referred to our redemption that was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. When he talked about how he became cursed for us. And he made reference to this in the the sense that he said, the scripture says, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. In reference to Jesus' death on the cross. You see... The substitutionary death of Jesus Christ is Him becoming our sin in order that He might deliver us. Peter said that He, Jesus, became sin that we might know the righteousness of God. 
He also said that he, Jesus, the just one, became unjust for us. And you see, while we recognize and understand that sin in its terribleness, sin in all uh, its, its pain and its destruction, the magnitude of it is overshadowed, is overwhelmed, is conquered in the magnitude of the salvation and the deliverance that God has given in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so with a great price of sin, we understand that there is a great, great deliverance. And that deliverance has a name. And its name is Jesus. This morning, in our service, we are commemorating the Lord in communion. We are remembering Him as He instituted a Lord's Supper so that He might remind us again of who He is. And how he wants us to know him. And for him to have fellowship with us. As we prepare this morning for our communion observance. The Lord spoke concerning the elements of the Lord's Supper. The juice. The bread. The representation of these things. I'm going to ask at this time if we would prepare for the observance of the supper. And then I'm going to ask if you would come and take the elements, a cup and the bread, and return to your seat. Momentarily, we will observe this observance together. We will acknowledge the Lord and what he has done for us and we will remember him as our sacrifice if you would please come and take the supper and return to your seat and we will observe together when we've all had the opportunity 